Cottywomple with the Shadow People is a narrative podcast about friendship, magic, mystery, and the divine feminine. This podcast sometimes deals with topics of a sensitive nature, so listener discretion is advised. Content warning. This episode contains unenthusiastic consent and home remedies for certain ailments. We do not recommend that anyone try these remedies. If you are ill or experiencing a medical emergency, please contact your primary care physician or the nearest hospital. When you are ready to get your hands dirty, when you are ready to feel sand on the soles of your feet, when you are ready to let yourself sink into the mud, to let yourself be reborn in it, when you are ready to return to the very earth from whence you came, then you can cottywomple with the shadow people. Episode 3, The Dirt Woman Replanted. Lilith assumed her feet were taking her home. She had not lifted her gaze from the cobblestones, so she couldn't be completely sure. She was racked with guilt. She kept wishing that she had chased after the girl and snatched the bag from her hand. She wished she would have dragged her to the doctor two towns over who specialized in cases like hers, though she wouldn't be sure how to pay for it. Lilith felt helpless. She had never liked feeling helpless. She had always felt compelled to be as helpful as she could be. But she had begun to wonder if her helpful nature was contrived something she had cultivated to combat the perpetual helplessness that she had felt since, well, since she had met Adam. Lilith thought back to their first date. Adam took her to a quaint little restaurant. It was small, but it was the most elegant place in their small town. He ordered their wine and both of their meals, never once letting her speak to the server. With every sip of the too dry wine, with every bite of the rubbery fish, with every word spoken at her, she felt herself shrink into her chair. She felt so small that when he let her out of the restaurant, she thought he may put her in his pocket for safekeeping. So small that when he kissed her, she worried that he may try to devour her whole. Is this what it's like to be protected? She thought to herself as he walked her up the stairs to his bedroom. Protected did not feel like the correct word. Is this what it feels like to be taken care of? She wondered as she lay beneath him. She laid awake as Adam snored beside her. Words started to tangle in her head. Small, protected, taken care of. The words twisted and tangled until they became a maddening, unintelligible hum in her ears. The hum continued until a new word formed. Helpless. The word repeated itself until she saw the faint glow of morning creep in through the window. She crept out of bed so as not to disturb her date. She gingerly collected his clothes from off the floor and placed them in the hamper. Helpless people don't tidy up, she thought to herself. I'm not helpless. 
She got dressed and walked downstairs to the kitchen and began cooking breakfast. Helpless people don't prepare meals. I am not helpless. She fixed Adam a plate and set it on the table, praying it wouldn't be too cold by the time he woke up. She stepped out to the garden and started pulling up weeds that grew along the stone path. Helpless people don't garden. I am not... She felt a pair of eyes on her. She turned, expecting to see a bleary-eyed Adam. Instead, she saw a large horned owl perched on the edge of the swinging screen door. Its large eyes burning into hers. It stayed like that for what seemed like an eternity before spreading its wings and flying into the forest. Lilith never forgot that first date, or that first morning, or that owl. And try as she might, she could never forget the desire to grow wings and follow the owl into the forest. Her feet eventually got her home safely. She let herself in only to slump down the door as soon as it closed. The last thing she wanted to do was cook dinner, but after a few moments, she mustered up the energy to scrounge something together. If you asked her, she couldn't tell you what meal she made or what ingredients she used. She just knew that this particular meal was quick and simple enough to have it ready and on the table by the time Adam got home. As if on cue, the door opened as soon as she set his plate down. She could tell by his lumbering steps that he was not in a good mood. Evening, sweetheart, her voice cracked. He grumbled in response. Is everything all right? Is Miss Bianca and her baby okay? Adam sighed deeply. They're both stable, but, uh, he pinched the bridge of his nose. There were complications. What kind of complications? The complicated kind, he snapped. When she jumped away from him, his tone became softer. Sorry, sweet potato. It's just been a rough day. I don't have much of an appetite. I think I'm just going to turn in. He kissed her cheek and trudged upstairs. Lilith did not hesitate. She pulled a serving bowl from her cupboard and shoved the contents from the cooking pot as well as Adam's untouched plate into it. She grabbed her coat and, serving bowl in hand, rushed to Miss Bianca's house as quickly and as carefully as she could without dropping or tipping the bowl. She felt as though she could not walk fast enough. Feelings of dread made the trek to the new mother's house seem longer than it should be. Were these natural complications that any mother and child might have? Or did Adam... She didn't want to finish the thought. She tried not to think of words like husband stitch as she walked up the stone path leading to Miss Bianca's front door. She knocked and waited less than patiently for someone to answer. She was greeted by Miss Bianca's understandably stressed husband. The man's scowl deepened upon seeing Lilith. What are you doing here? Taken back by his terse greeting, Lilith stammered. I, uh, wanted to, um, bring a dish over for the family? A new mama doesn't need to be cooking so soon. The man glared at her. Your husband has done enough, he said with contempt. We don't need any more of y'all's help, if you can even call it that. She stared at him, mouth agape. She wasn't expecting this kind of cold reception. Close your mouth, girl, 
a familiar scratchy voice said from behind her. You're gonna catch flies. Lilith turned around to see the woman from the woods walking up the stone path, carrying a large basket. She wondered for a moment how the woman could see that her mouth had been open if she had been standing behind her, but she pushed that thought away, deeming it unimportant. Thank you for coming, Minerva, Miss Bianca's husband greeted the woman. She's in the main bedroom. Lilith stepped to the side to let the woman pass. This woman must be the midwife, Lilith thought to herself. She was a bit embarrassed by how long it took her to put that together. Lilith turned to walk away, feeling foolish for even coming, only to be called back by the midwife named Minerva. Where are you going, girl? I'm going to need your help. When the new father started to object, Minerva held up her hand. She's my apprentice. I'm old and I ain't going to be doing this forever. It's about time I started training my replacement. The scowling man huffed, but he let a dumbfounded Lilith enter. She followed the midwife into the bedroom to see a tearful Miss Bianca cradling a too-quiet baby. The woman held her child close, trying to get him to latch. Minerva turned to Lilith and handed her a small sachet she pulled from the basket. Go to the kitchen and put the kettle on. Let this tea steep for exactly five minutes. It cannot be more than five, you hear? If it's one second over, it will be too bitter and we will have to start all over again. Do you understand? Lilith nodded wordlessly and began to walk to the kitchen when Minerva called after her. And make me a plate of whatever's in that bowl of yours. It smells good. Yes, ma'am. It was the first compliment Lilith had ever received for her cooking. She walked to the kitchen and began preparing the tea. After a few minutes, the kettle whistled. It was an irritating sound that should have disturbed a newborn baby, but she did not hear any sounds from the bedroom besides the midwife's reassuring whispers. It was the baby's unnerving silence that motivated Lilith to watch the kitchen clock intently as she steeped the tea. She removed the bag at exactly five minutes, she probably removed it a few seconds early due to Minerva's anxiety-inducing words, but she hoped that her timing was sufficient. She walked back into the bedroom, teapot and plate in hand. Right on time, Minerva said, looking at her pocket watch. She reached her arms out to mother and child. Now give me that baby! Miss Bianca tentatively handed her son to the withered yet forceful woman. Minerva instructed Lilith to dig a baby bottle from her basket. She told her to pour the tea into the baby bottle. Lilith glanced at the leaves in the bottom of the tea kettle. She thought she could make out the shape of an acorn. An acorn was always good news. Now drape the blanket over my shoulder. Lilith did as she was told, inadvertently covering the child's head. Minerva rolled her eyes. Now drape the blanket over my shoulder. Lilith did as she was told inadvertently covering the child's head. Minerva just rolled her eyes. My other shoulder! Lilith squeaked out a sorry and rectified her mistake. Minerva took the bottle from Lilith and coaxed the nipple into the child's mouth. The child began to suckle. He only managed a few sips before he began fussing and crying. Minerva put the bottle down and brought him up to her covered shoulder, gently patting his back. After a few moments, he spewed up more bile than Lilith thought a baby could hold in their tiny body. Minerva cleaned him up and handed him back to his mama. She held him to her breast, and he latched and began to feed. The poor critter had too much fluid in his lungs, Minerva explained. 
Catnip tea usually does the trick. You be sure to give me a call if he has any more complications, you hear? Miss Bianca nodded and whispered her gratitude through tears. Minerva cleaned herself up and helped herself to the meal Lilith had prepared for her. It's not bad, she said after taking a bite. Needs salt, though. As small as the compliment was, Lilith could not help but smile. Miss Bianca's husband walked the two women to the door. He apologized to Lilith for his gruff demeanor, but she understood. He tried to offer Minerva payment, but she wouldn't hear it. I happily clean up that quack doctor's messes for free, she said, shooting a sly smile in Lilith's direction. Lilith told the gentlemen that they could keep the meal as well as the serving bowl, and the two women left. They walked in awkward silence for what seemed like way too long. Lilith eventually broke the silence and asked how long Minerva had been a midwife. The older woman answered almost 40 years. Lilith asked her where she got her training. Minerva shot her a sharp look. Do you think that you and your husband are the only two fancy pants who went to school? Lilith blanched and tried to mutter an apology, but Minerva waved it off. I studied to be a nurse. I even worked in the hospice on the other side of town. The pay wasn't too great at the time for a novice like myself, so options for lodging were limited. I was living in a flea-bag motel before the Moon Women took me in and gave me a room at the chateau. Lilith wondered aloud who the Moon Women were. Minerva told her about the group of ladies who had lived there for generations. She told her how the women were accomplished writers, artists, gardeners, businesswomen, and midwives and how they had run the chateau as a makeshift hospital, a dance hall, and even a hotel where travelers could seek sustenance, rest, and sometimes affection. Lilith's eyes grew wide when she realized what was meant by affection. Are the moon women still there? Minerva shook her head. She told her that some left to run their own chateaus in other towns when business started slowing down a bit. Some settled down and had families. Some just got older and passed away. After a while, Minerva continued, it was just me and that big old house, left with nothing but an overgrown garden and the knowledge of midwifery. Lilith took in everything the aging midwife said. She thought about her garden and her old house. She thought about the poor baby boy who would not have been able to thrive without her knowledge and skill. So you're all alone in that house? Minerva nodded stiffly. Well, what happens? I mean, who's going to be the town's midwife when... When I croak? Lilith nodded, embarrassed. Minerva smiled a knowing smile. Didn't you hear me back at Miss Bianca's house? You're my new apprentice. Lilith was stunned. You were serious? As a heart attack. But I can't be a midwife. Why the hell not? You're a gardener, so you'll pick up the herbal knowledge quickly. You care about people enough to bring them food and aid, and you manage not to ruin the catnip tea. You're a natural midwife. Lilith searched her mind for any excuse. My husband and I agreed that I would stay home for right now. Minerva rolled her eyes. Well, when you leave him, you're going to need a trade. Lilith tried not to show how insulted she was. I'm not going to leave my husband. Minerva looked her up and down. Sure you're not. She mumbled incredulously, then her tone softened. Well, if you don't want to learn midwifery as a trade, then maybe you'll learn it as a hobby. Even happy little homemakers need hobbies. 
Lilith considered the midwife's words. Surely Adam didn't intend for Lilith to stay cooped up in the house all day. Maybe a hobby would be good for her. Even if she didn't become a midwife, maybe the lessons would help her hone her own gardening skills. Minerva took the small smile forming on the younger woman's face as agreement and said, Wonderful! Come by the chateau tomorrow around lunchtime and I'll give you your first lesson. Lilith knew it would be pointless to argue, so she just nodded. Once they reached Lilith's house, the women parted ways. The next morning, Adam noticed a manic edge to Lilith's demeanor as she prepared breakfast. When he asked her about it, she told him that she had just had a good night's sleep and had woken up feeling rested. After breakfast, she assured him that she would be by every day around noon to drop off lunch and check on her replacement. She said that she would be running errands afterwards, but she conveniently failed to mention her midwife lessons. Adam smiled and kissed her forehead as he left for work happy to see that she was settling into her domestic role. Lilith watched out the window as her husband walked off the property. She waited until he was down the street before she dashed upstairs to get ready for the long day ahead of her. She grabbed an old picnic basket from her closet and packed it with her gardening gloves, hand shovel, and shears. She contemplated packing her old botany textbook from school, but she figured that would be too much. She dressed herself in overalls, but then quickly undressed herself when she saw herself in the mirror. If Adam saw her in overalls out in public, he would get suspicious. She changed into a sundress and shoved the overalls into the picnic basket. She made a couple bagged lunches and placed them in the basket, careful not to squish the chicken salad sandwich inside. She donned a sun hat that would double as a gardening hat and left for town. When she arrived to the clinic, she was surprised to see Adam in the front office. He usually stayed in the back, but here he was, behind the desk, explaining appointment intakes to Eve. Neither of them seemed to realize that Lilith had entered the room until she cleared her throat. Adam's head snapped up, and a tense smile forced its way onto his face as he made his way across the room to her. She handed him the bag lunches and asked how training was going. He told her that Eve's training was coming along nicely. She asked Eve if she had any questions about the office duties. Eve opened her mouth, but before she could answer, Adam assured that he had it covered. He gingerly kissed his wife's forehead and thanked her for the sandwiches. There was something in his tone that made her feel like she was being rushed out. She smiled and told him she would see him at home. As she left, she had an uneasy feeling in the pit of her stomach that was exacerbated by the image of Eve being interrupted by Adam but the unease gave way to excitement as she made her way to the chateau. For her first lesson, Minerva taught her how to properly prune plants. She took her around the garden, showing her how to handle each individual leaf with care. She had Lilith recite the names of the plants that she knew and reminded her of the names that she had forgotten. The day felt like a refresher course of all the things that she had once learned in school. She felt like she was strengthening a muscle that she had forgotten that she had. When the sun started to go down, Lilith packed up her overalls. Minerva told her she could leave everything here for the sake of ease. Lilith thanked her and set back out to the forest to beat Adam home. Before she could get too far, the older woman called after her and told her to bring some old newspapers the next day so that she could show her an easy weed-killing trick. The next day played out very much like the previous. 
Lilith saw Adam off before getting ready for her clandestine midwife lesson. She fixed two bagged lunches and brought them to the clinic. Once again, she was taken slightly aback seeing Adam working so closely with his new receptionist, but she asked no questions in the hopes that no questions would be asked of her. Before she left for the chateau, she remembered Minerva's request and asked Eve for today's paper and yesterday's if she had it. She handed her the newspaper with a smile, and with that, Lilith took off. When she had made it to the chateau, Minerva wasted no time. She told her student to spread the newspaper on a patch of earth where weeds had begun to grow. Lilith did as she was told, and as she laid the paper flat, a picture in the obituary section caught her eye. She leaned in to get a closer look, and her breath caught in her chest. Her eyes grew wide, and her hands felt numb. It was a picture of a girl, a young girl. It was the patient who Adam had seen just a few days prior. The girl who was in trouble. Cottywample with the Shadow People was created and performed by Shay Lee and edited by Jonathan Strickland. Special thanks to Lucas Ryan and Jenny Milam. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music.